Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace gather. Uh, Andre here, and I figure we're friends, so I'm going to sip my coffee uh, while I talk this morning. A uh, little shout out to Tenfold Coffee, uh, really good friends and great coffee. Uh, but as we continue into our Ephesians series, uh, I, I want to say a couple things about why I believe this book is important for us as a church and for us as people. Uh, because I believe that Paul in Ephesians is giving us a story or a window into a story of a church uh, that is a diverse community in a city where strangers are slowly but surely becoming family. And as we know, as a church in a city uh, that is becoming a a diverse community uh, that is really rooted in safe and committed relationships and journeying together in the way of Jesus, that uh, it's not an easy journey. And, And in that not being an easy journey does not make it any less of an important journey. Uh, and, and this is why I believe this book really does give us maybe some tools, but also uh, really forms and shapes what we think church and community should look like. You see, so far, Paul's vision for the church is this, that it is to be one, a unified family rooted in safe and committed relationships. And his hope uh, is that that they would live right into the relational identity of Christ and embody who Christ was and is through the life we live communally and individually. And now we have finally arrived to the moment where Josh said in the the very first week, the therefore moment. The moment where Paul begins to make this turn, right, from theology or ideas about God or ideas about community to now why this theology matters, right? Why does it matter for our life? Why does it matter for our community? And Paul starts off in Ephesians 4, where I am today, uh, verses 4 through 6, and he starts off with this word picture. He says, there's one body, one spirit, and just as you were called to one hope you were or when you were called one lord one faith one baptism and one god and father of all who is over all through all and in all which is like that's one a beautiful two verses Uh, but then also it gives us this picture of i think what paul is trying to say is that we uh, need to be one right that he is giving us this space that we would be formed by this. This is a formation moment, being the formation pastor, kind of a formation plug here, right? But Paul's intention is that we would be formed by this idea of oneness. That we would rid ourselves of the barriers that society has placed, specifically in this church between Jew and Gentile. Reminding us that throughout this book, the purpose of the body of Christ is this is that we would be a window into the impossible made possible by by the Spirit of God. Where the many may become the one, and unity and diversity are in abundance, and divisions would be scarce. And then where we're going to land today is in verses 11 through 13, where Paul says this, 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, kind of that Ephesians 2 drawn in, right? Works of service, good works, right? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the big idea is this, right? That God's gift of diversity of diversity to the church is that it may be built up by those gifts or by those diverse gifts. And the other is the how, that the church may be unified in its teaching and move towards unity or maturity in which the end goal is to look more in the likeness of Christ. Now, I know some of us, right, might become kind of weary of this idea of diversity or unity in diversity because maybe what we have seen in the past, maybe it is said that we are uh, maybe a diverse community or a diverse workplace, and then when you actually are in that community or in that workplace, you realize that that is actually not the case. That maybe uh, your vision for inclusivity uh, is uh, maybe uh, circumvented by maybe what you see uh, within the church. And that uh, a lot of times for us, not only uh, maybe it's, you know, kind of that space where you're, you're hoping that things would be better than they are, but sometimes it's just easier to be in a community that uh, you think a lot more alike, uh, you look a lot more alike, you read the same, th- you do the same things, right? Sometimes it's easier. Uh, and Bell Hooks says this uh, about this kind of uh, going the easier route is that uh, it's, it's called a dominator culture. And a lot of times this dominator culture strives to keep us afraid and to make us choose safety instead of risk, sameness instead of diversity. And moving through that fear, finding out what connects us, reveling in our differences, this is the process that brings us closer that gives us a world of shared values and of meaningful community. So gather, uh, when we talk about maybe going the easier route or, or maybe we find ourselves thinking that that is the better route, I think Bell Hook puts it beautifully. That this idea of getting past the barrier of kind of this uh, afraid or fear of diversity or even just because it's safer, just because sameness is easier, is that uh, what we can look forward to is that once we move past that, that we would find what connects us, that we will revel in our differences and that process bring us closer and cultivate a meaningful community. You see, growth happens not just because you have tons of knowledge, Come on, somebody. Growth happens when the practical comes alive in the experiential. And Paul is trying to get us to move, to move from thinking really, really hard about something and have no follow through to thinking really, really hard about something and having a great follow through. Paul's urging us to see that God's gift to the church is diversity. And Paul's not referring to the, just the gifts 
are the gifting of its members but alone, but also race, gender, socioeconomic class, institutional identity, uh, who you vote for, how much money you have. All these things are welcomed into this idea of diversity. And in the body of Christ, diversity has to be welcomed, y'all. And it is in this space where unity does not equal uniformity. Understand that. So Paul is not saying uh, the diverse gifts uh, should all look the same. That makes no sense. It's incongruent. (laughs) Uh, That uh, all people in the church should look the same. Usually, uh, if your community is diverse, that's incongruent. It makes no sense. And instead, the very fact that everyone is not the same or does not have the same gift, it should be celebrated. And it is actually the only way through which the church will reach full maturity. Diversity, diversity in all areas is the only way the church can actually be mature when those are welcomed and unity is fostered. And for honest, the space of diversity kind of might make us uncomfortable a bit. And that's okay. But as we journey through this, which I believe is a call of Christ on our life, that all things, all people, all creation would find their rightful home under Christ and in the body of Christ. Diversity should be normative. Uncomfortability (laughs) sometimes is normative, right? But when celebrated, and not just desired, but expected. It becomes a rhythm. A rhythm of life and not a thing to achieve or something that we do once a month. And also what uh, diversity does for us, in us and with us as a community, uh, is that it enables us to become better allies to one another. I know we heard this word ally uh, a lot within the last five years and some even longer if you have studied diversity and inclusion. But this idea of allyship can only happen when you are in relationship with somebody that does not look the same as you or have the same life experience as you. Diversity is a necessity in allyship. And this is where I believe Christ teaches us what this looks like. Follow me. Like diversity can very easily kind of lead to this idea of unity or division. It it can lead to both ways, but uh, simply because the work it takes to cultivate healthy uh, diversity amongst deep and committed relationships. right? But Christ finds himself as he journeys Uh, uh, from the wilderness and he finds himself in the synagogue and he reads uh, the scroll of the day and Jesus didn't choose this scroll but I guess the spirit kind of lined it up well and in Isaiah 61 was the scroll and he says this he says the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was the inauguration. That was the purpose of Christ's ministry. That those who suffer on behalf of structures at play would know that they are valued and not a burden, but a gift to society and to the church. And that freedom would be for everyone, right? not just those whose status in society affords it. See, we are called as followers of the way to be like the one in whom we follow. James Cone says this, Indeed, our survival and liberation depend upon our recognition of the truth. When it is spoken and lived by the people, Right, And I want to interrupt this quote because we talked about incongruency. Um, the church has a record, a long-standing record, if we're honest, of incongruency. Where we say we believe one thing, we say we value one thing, and it looks nothing like that thing. And one, I want to say nobody is perfect, including our church and myself. And that our hope is to walk in humility and that we would not only speak the truth, but live the truth. So let's read it again. Indeed, our survival and liberation depend upon our recognition of the truth when it is spoken and lived by the people. That if we cannot recognize the truth, then it cannot liberate us from untruth. And to know the truth is to appropriate it, which means live it, For it is not mainly a reflection in theory, right? But truth is divine action entering our lives and creating the human action of liberation. And why I think this is important, church, in the allyship in Christ, and why I believe Christ is showing us this, is that he lived this out. He lived the truth out. He embodied the truth. He embodied what it meant to live it out, to see people liberated, healed, changed, welcomed, included. That was Christ's call. And as we follow Jesus, May we be a people that live that truth. That we would see that it's divine action entering our lives and creating human action of liberation. That we would see all people welcomed, loved, cherished, valued. And that we would see flourishing take place is our prayer and is our call as we follow Jesus. And lastly, Paul begins to draw on a couple symbols here when he talks about that the body, so diversity of gifts, uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And this is why I want to end with this idea and believe that it's important. So the body of Christ, there's many words for kind of a community of Christians, of people together. And what kind of those those uh, phrases are or maybe images are are a body where the body is working together to walk to move to function uh, or the temple right the new temple 
Uh, and this idea was all kind of weaved through the story of Jesus and after, right? So, so in Pentecost, so, so Jesus, after the physical temple was demolished and multiple times it was, uh, became the living temple, the moment in space uh, where God met matter, right? Where everything in the heavens uh, became kind of, that was the hot spot of God's presence. Uh, and that was uh, in Jesus when the physical temple uh, was demolished multiple times. And uh, when Jesus uh, was, was, was crucified and he resurrected, uh, and then we see kind of the spirit was given, uh, we became the new temple, the new family of God, where God's hotspot presence dwelled. So we became like little mini temples. Paul, Paul will call it like uh, living stones in First uh, Corinthians. Uh, and, and so uh, when we see what this means, is that simply put, is that a community, a church, would be a place where the Spirit of God resides amidst and in the midst of a people. That that's who we are when we come together. That we are a hotspot of God's presence. And this is what incarnation means. And so what James Cohn was saying was that it just would not be reflection in theory. That we would just wouldn't we kind of sit on some chairs and you would hear us talk every Sunday. And it just would be theory and reflection and maybe some great theory and reflection. But that we uh, would actually embody who and all of who Christ was and is and that's what incarnation means and incarnation as richard war puts it is the oldest christian story that through christ god is pouring god's self into all of creation and to be a christian then is to see christ in everyone and everything so church this is the new temple we are the new temple of god we are his body and what I love about this idea of the new temple and new family of God is that there are no longer ceremonial ethnic nationality or nation, the nation of origin uh, barriers. They're, 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 those are not as, as barriers anymore. Those are not um, things that will prohibit you uh, from entering into the community. Instead, the only prerequisite is to receive the invitation to journey with Jesus. Gather as we close, as we participate, as living stones in Christ's body, a unified and diverse community rooted in safe and committed relationships where uh, diversity is in abundance. What does it look like for us to participate in the work of renewal inside these walls and outside? What does allyship, as Christ was the OG ally, <laughs> what does allyship in Christ look like? And what does authentic and true diversity, what is it fueled by? James Baldwin says this, Love takes off masks that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within.
And I use the word love here not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or a state of grace. Not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough and universal sense of quest, daring, and growth. Gather. Let us be a community that loves well. That, as James Baldwin puts it, a community that sees one another. Right? That we can be our true and authentic selves here. And that we would be for one another, that we would be allies for one another, that, it, that are willing to grow towards the vision of the new family of God, the new temple of God, the new body of Christ. That we'd be a unified people rooted in safe and committed relationships where diversity in all categories is in abundance and divisions are scarce. What does that look like for us, Gavin? Thank you. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Lord, teach us to not settle for sameness, to not settle for what is easier, that we would trust that your vision for your people, that diversity being a given in all categories, that we uh, could be a true window into what unity looks like amid a group of different views, upbringing, genders and races, sexual orientation, socioeconomic class. God, that by the power of the Spirit, that you would show us the journey and the path to what that truly looks like. Lord, we thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Peace gather. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.